I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Deconstructed. This is Ryan Grimm. On Saturday evening, the Nevada Democratic Party leadership was thrown out of office by a coalition that had come together organizing for Bernie Sanders in the state's caucuses in 2016 and 2020. What happened next was both shocking and, if you're cynical enough, expected. To back up, a group of five candidates calling themselves the Progressive Slate, running in coalition with the local Democratic Socialists of America, swept four of the five races Saturday against the establishment slate, which dubbed itself Progressive Unity. After a fight over who was eligible to vote and whose vote hadn't been counted, the one race they lost flipped, meaning the DSA-backed slate had won all five party leadership positions. The party establishment, which is still led by former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid, a titan in Nevada politics, quickly ditched the rhetoric about unity. Local reporter John Ralston reported that nearly half a million dollars was drained from the party's coffers and transferred to the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. Every employee quit. All the consulting contracts were severed. Not long after winning her chair race, Judith Whitmer got a blunt email from the soon-to-be former Nevada State Party Executive Director, Alana Mounts. The email begins, Judith, congratulations on being elected as the new Nevada Dems chair. I am writing to inform you that I have received resignations from all Nevada Dem staff, as well as notices of termination of contracts from our consultants. Additionally, I will resign effective Monday, March 8th. The Nevada Dems had already made arrangements with our payroll provider to process the 315 payroll for our employees, in parentheses, SHADs, before learning of their earlier departure. To recognize these employees for their contributions to the party and facilitate a smooth transition, we have also already provided them severance through the end of the month. Thank you, Alana. Mounts didn't respond to a request for comment, but that ruthlessness is part of what has made the Reed machine so effective against Republicans in the state, but it's unclear how it'll work against the party's progressive wing. In a twist of history, Reed himself actually produced the conditions that led to his own lieutenants getting tossed from office. It was Reed who successfully maneuvered in 2008 to make Nevada the first presidential caucus in the West. His reasoning was simple. He wanted presidential candidates to have to take a position on whether nuclear waste should be stored at Yucca Mountain. More precisely, he wanted that position to be no. In exchange for Obama's promise to scuttle the Yucca Mountain project, Reed endorsed him for president after encouraging him to run. It worked. Obama appointed a former aide of Reed's to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission with instructions to halt the project. Reed also wanted the caucus to help build the party's infrastructure, and that worked too. After years of Republican control, Democrats now hold the governor's mansion, the state senate, and the state house, as well as both senate seats. Without those two senators, there'd be no Democratic majority in the Senate today. But the caucus has also created an opening for Bernie Sanders, and his supporters have run through it to swamp the party. Instead of finding a way to work with the newcomers, the Reed machine is setting up an independent shop. 
We'll be joined today by Whitner as well as Keenan Korth, a Nevada organizer you might remember as a character in the documentary Knock Down the House, where he was on the staff of Amy Valella, who lost a race for Congress in 2018 in Nevada. Korth went on to work for another Knock Down the House candidate, Cori Bush, in 2020. Judith, welcome to Deconstructed. Thank you, Ryan. It's good to be here. Keenan Korth, uh, thanks for joining me here. Great to be here as well. So, tell me what happened this weekend. Judith, you're now running the Nevada Democratic Party? I am. I'm officially the, the chair of the state party here in Nevada. We've got a lot of work to do, but we're ready to do it. And so, winning this entire slate, how, how much of that had to do with Bernie Sanders' victory in the Nevada caucuses a year ago and how much of it relied on organizing over the last year? Was it a, was it a fait accompli once, once Bernie had done so well in the caucuses? Or was it kind of a push and pull since then? I think that it goes all the way back to 2016, actually. And the fact that we saw some missed opportunities, but there was still progressive engagement and a few progressive startups that didn't go anywhere. Um, and then when Bernie did, announced his run for 2020, I think it was reinvigorating for a lot of the progressives that were still here and were still engaged, but just not organized. Um, so once we started organizing for the Bernie campaign, we went all in on that. Um, we had a very effective strategy, a very effective ground game in coalition with DSA and in coalition with Love Caucus uh, to bring all those people into the fold and back into the progressive movement. And that's what led to a landslide win here for Bernie Sanders in Nevada. Now, are, are both of you um, dues paying DSA members? How many, how many of the five person slate are DSA members? Uh, I believe uh, four of them are formerly dues-paying DSA members, and uh, one of them located in uh, Carson City County simply does not have a local org to join. Uh, but we are certainly trying to get DSA up and running in every county here in Nevada so that our inside-outside strategy works in, works in every county. So what was the message that you ran on? I noticed that you, you called your slate, basically you called it, I think, the progressive slate, whereas the establishment called theirs the progressive unity slate. So what were the differing messages? <laughs> well, we were up and running with the progressive slate back during the state convention. So what happened was we we were organizing for the caucus, obviously, and, and you know we had a big win here and a big celebration with Nina Turner. And so after that, we worked really hard to keep those delegates engaged through the convention process. When Bernie suspended his campaign, of course, a lot of people were feeling pretty frustrated and disappointed and, and we couldn't let them all just disappear. So we worked overtime to make sure that we gave them a reason to stay engaged in the progressive movement through the work of DSA on the outside, Left Caucus on the inside. Um, we kept them engaged through the state convention and that's when we elected members of our organization of DSA and Left Caucus to the state party executive board as at-large members and that was on the progressive slate. So we decided to carry that over for this campaign as well because it had been so effective. We won nine out of 10 races in that particular campaign for the state convention. And you know, our progressive slate here that we ran on, right? That was like 12 months plus in the making versus the progressive unity slate, which was much more of a, a reaction to, I think, them, the establishment or the status quo seeing 
you know, the writing on the walls, seeing what we, we had been able to accomplish last summer. And I think the, the implicit message of their slate, they wanted to project that they were progressive because they knew that they had to be to a certain extent to have a shot at all because of the sheer numbers that, you know, under Judith's leadership, we have uh, been able to recruit into our, our county and state central committees here. But, you know, the, the implication was always that they were uniquely suited to be able to unify the party, whereas our slate, um, you know, was divisive or would be unable to do so. Which is fascinating given what the reaction has been from the progressive unity factions <laughs> since then. You know, no. Judith, you, you know, within not, not long after winning, you got an email you know, from the executive director of uh, the party saying congratulations on becoming the new chair. Uh, you know, effectively, I'm writing to quit. And also, everyone else is quitting. All the rest of the employees are quitting. And we have severed all of our contracts uh, with our contractors. Uh, were you surprised to get, get that message? We weren't really surprised in in. in and that we were prepared for it. We were hoping that that would not be the case. I mean, we've had many conversations. We do a lot of consensus building. We do a lot of uh, worst case scenario discussions about, okay, what if this and what if that? So it didn't like hit us by surprise necessarily, but in that regard, but what hit us by surprise and sort of shocking is that um, for a slate that claimed that they were all about unity uh, and kept this false narrative of division going on throughout the entire campaign. In fact, they kept intensifying that. Uh, that's what was surprising about it was, uh, was then the willingness to just walk away instead of working with us. And yesterday, uh, sorry, yeah, even before the meeting was over, you know, the virtual central committee meeting, it was kind of ironic to see, you know, John Ralston here, reporting, you know, some comments from those inside the, you know, the quote unquote read machine as they framed it, that even before the meeting was adjourned and this, this, these elections were ratified, that they were uh, framing their, this as uh, they had no other option but to work around the party. Right. And I understand, I mean, from the local reporting that they moved, they've, they moved something like four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars $500,000 out of the party coffers and transferred it over to the DSCC somewhat recently. Is, is that is that accurate? And what is left of the party that you've now taken over? Well, we are still working um, through our attorney to gain access to everything. So that's an ongoing uh, effort right now. Mm -hmm. So we don't even know if that reporting is entirely accurate, especially given the source of some of that information. We're not entirely sure it's accurate, but we have taken measures to make sure that everything is safeguarded. A letter went out today from our attorney making sure that no other actions were taken. We are officially in charge mm -hmm. of the party. We, that became the case as soon as the election meeting adjourned. There was no, there's no gap in that or no right. wait time to, you know, to take that office. So as the state party chair, I made the decision that we had to safeguard uh, our party assets, our party bank account, and everything else. And, and the letter from our attorney went out today. And Keenan, I want to read you the quote that you were referencing and ask you to unpack it for people. So this is in the the review journal. This is a an source to an, an operative, you know, somebody who's close to the 
know, what, what's known as the Reed machine. So the quote says, but keep in mind, the Reed machine is not the central committee. It's the operatives, volunteers, fundraising and organizing capacity, all of which can be accomplished outside of the state party organization. Unfortunately, there's no real choice but to work around the party. So what, what, what signal is the operative sending there? And, and functionally, how does the machine carry that out? Well, you know, I think to start, one of the things that's notable is, and we saw this in the lead up to the election this weekend, this sort of reframing of, of the party, of the central committee membership, trying to minimize you know, the role of, of that governing body of, uh, governing body of the party, trying to minimize the scope or the legitimacy of the decisions we make. You know, it's funny because over the past four years, there have been a lot of efforts for progressives, for Sanders supporters post-2016 to engage in the party. A lot of fights have been mounted at the county and, and state level at our central committee meetings, whether they've been you know, leadership elections, motions to implement new rules and, and procedures or change bylaws. And, you know, we would routinely come up short prior to the this most recent caucus to convention process. We would get, you know, maybe 40, 45% of the vote. And we were always told, well, you know, this is how it works. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game. You know, just uh, if you want to make change, get involved, mm-hmm. right? There's been this sort of this specter of like dem exit, you know, quote unquote, you know, at once, like, scornful of people who maybe get frustrated with the party and, uh, and leave and they say, well, you need to just stick around and make it better. And then also, you know, dismissive of anyone who actually does. And so what we've seen now is we think, okay, well, we're going to double down um, and play this game where we, we understand how it how it's how it's done and knew the opportunity in uh, Senator Sanders landslide win in the caucus that we had you know, by no means was it um, inevitable. It was a concerted organizing effort. But, you know, we knew what the rules of the game were and we played by it accordingly. This is the first time we've really heard kind of the, the Nevada State Central Committee members as a body minimized, you know, and it's in the same way that the left always has been, that mm-hmm. DSA has been, that progressives have been. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And Judith, this, the reaction of the establishment here feels almost tailor-made to breed cynicism. You know, like, like Keenan was saying, the message that uh, leftists are always uh, given is, look, if you don't like things, if you don't like how things are, be the change, you know, make, you know, make that, make the change, you know, do, do the work, show up for the meetings, be a, be a loyal party member, 
uh, you know, we follow Robert's rules of order, you know, make, make your case and, you know, may, may the best, best person win, you win. And as he said, they, it seems like they would rather burn the thing to the ground than have somebody else be in control of it, you know, literally draining funds from it and stripping it of, of all of its staff and, and its contract and its consulting contracts and, you know, suggesting that they're going to build a, a rival kind of party app apparatus to it. So for people who hear that and say, see, I told you, this is pointless. Um, what, what would you say to them? Like, what, what, what are the tools that you have and, you know, what should people look for from the, this new Nevada democratic party over the, over the next couple of years? And what can you do? Well, actually one of our biggest goals was removing the obstruction and when they talk about putting in the work or putting in the time, I was one of those people. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, I ran for a party office. I've been serving on the Clark County Democratic Party Executive Board since 2017. So I've been putting in the work. Uh, what they just didn't expect is that we got better right. and better at organizing and out-organizing them at every turn. Like, and don't put in that much during work. those years, yeah, don't, yeah, exactly, right. That's not really what they meant. <laughs> they meant just you know show up and do what you're told, mm -hmm. uh, which was never me. It was never going to be me. But I did put in the work, so I have been at all the meetings. I've been you know at all the campaign events, all the canvassing, everything it takes. I did the fundraising for Clark Dems. Um, we earned rose. We raised more money doing small dollar grassroots fundraising than it ever, you know than they'd ever had before, and we had money to help um, in this last election. Uh, so, you know, they tried something similar with Clark County Executive Board when we had these massive resignations, and they walked away thinking that we were going to fail, and then they would just be rid of us, uh, and that we would just give up and go away. Well, it didn't quite work out the way they wanted it to. And Clark County Dems is thriving and has grown to over 1,200 members under my mm -hmm. leadership. So I have been constantly encouraging people and recruiting people to go on to these central committee, central committees to become members of them, knowing full well that there is power there because it's the governing body of the Democratic Party. They can try to minimize that role. But the main thing here is that those rules are made by a body bent on the whole philosophy that you have to vote blue no matter who, you always have to fall in line, you have to do what you're told, uh, and maybe you might someday get rewarded for that. Uh, I don't believe in that. I believe that this should be an open and democratic process, that people should get to choose their own candidates. But when the party keeps constantly putting obstructions in the way of people doing that, then the best option to me is removing the obstruction. Right, and so what will it look like on the ground? A uh, this new de this new Nevada Democratic Party for regular, you know, rank and file members of the Democratic Party for for voters for uh, you know disaffected people. Like what what change will will they see in in how they kind of relate to the the Democratic Party? And I guess related to that, how has the last day of fundraising been? Uh, it's been a bit more than twenty four hours since since you won, has there been a national response? Uh, we have just, like I said, literally been dealing with issues at hand, um, trying to get mm -hmm. access to everything. Uh, but we do have a fundraising plan and a fundraising mechanism, and we will be doing that immediately. So I'm, I'm really not worried about 
the money or the fundraising. Mm-hmm. We know how to do that. We've got a really great team. We and and we work together as a team. We've already had a, numerous discussions about how we're going to raise the money, how we're going to support candidates, how we're going to recruit and engage candidates from um, disenfranchised, marginalized communities. This is the kind of work that we've already been doing on the ground. And we actually have been building a really effective ground game. And we're about to roll out a new get out the vote operation because that's been being restructured as well uh, because the old so-called precinct captain program doesn't serve people well in a 2020-2021 cycle, you know, and, and going into 2022. Um, we saw during this pandemic that it's not going to just be knocking on doors anymore to be effective. We've got to be a lot more innovative in our approaches. We've got to have not only a great ground game and a great structure for for implementing that ground game, but it's going to come down to the the latest technology, the latest uh, great digital outreach as well, and finding ways to constantly engage people because people engage a lot differently now than they used to. And I don't think things are gonna go back to business as usual, even once we have a fully vaccinated population. It's going to mean that we're gonna have to find more creative ideas and solutions, and sometimes customizable solutions. Uh, I've been meeting with all of our rural counties and our county chairs, and we're mapping out statewide election strategies going forward. And some of our counties want to be able to recruit their own candidates in some of these rural areas, but they've been prevented from doing that before because typically people at the top decide, okay, it's a mostly Republican district. There isn't, you know, a chance in hell. We're not putting any money there, Um, which totally ignores the efforts of those areas to start recruiting more people into the party or to growing and building the party. And if you're going to have a successful Democratic Party going into an election cycle, then you damn well better be bringing people into the party and engaging them and giving them a reason to vote. You know, a lot of what Judith is speaking to is this, you know, this persistent idea or the set of assumptions, which I think are ultimately a disadvantage to, you know, the establishment or the status quo or however you want to refer to it, uh, which is this assumption that just things will never change. And I think, you know, they've looked at the past, right? The left has very, you know, it doesn't have a great track record if you go back cycle after cycle after cycle, this is kind of a new movement, you know, kind of, you know, built out of the, you know, the 2016 and 2020 Sanders campaigns in many ways. Um, But, you know, one one thing I think that we're cognizant of that we're certainly a part of daily, whether it's, you know, engaging in this work uh, as a volunteer in the party and, and orgs like DSA or, you know, working, you know, those of us work professionally on progressive campaigns is that, uh, we are building infrastructure uh, to go toe to toe with, you know, the longstanding infrastructure that uh, the Democratic establishment has relied on, um, you know, whether that's just, you know, rank and file um, organizers with the skill sets necessary to staff these campaigns, um, you know, to the, the, the consultants and firms um, that campaigns need to build uh, their teams out around to do fundraising, to do digital outreach, um, to tap into and, and be able to translate that kind of um, really successful small dollar operation that Sanders pioneered in 2016, but make sure it works at every level. Um, and so I think when they think, you know, I think when they do things like, 
this kind of take their ball and go, like canceling these consultant contracts here, that they think, oh, the, you know, our consultants aren't going to work with them, so they, they're not going to be able to do anything. But, you know, the fact of the matter is that there are, you know, incredible operatives on our side of the aisle or, you know, within our wing of the party um, that raise incredible sums of monies without relying on contributions like here in Nevada, like from the mining industry or the gaming industry that are, you know, true to their values that, uh, you know, outraise campaigns. I've been part of campaigns uh, that didn't accept corporate contributions where we did outraise Mm -hmm. outright outraised and outspent our our you know incumbent establishment opponents and um you know i'm really excited about the opportunity here like you know by no means did this slate um run uh with the intent of coming in and firing everyone and canceling these contracts although you know the other side kind of cynically campaigned on that message that we were going to do that um but now that we are faced with a clean slate to me you know that that is that's nothing but opportunity to, you know, rebuild the party even more quickly um, and build a team out uh, of staff and volunteers and, and, you know, and members, rank and file members, you know, and consultants that have been doing incredible work to um, engage new constituencies and bring, you know, that was a big part of the Sanders campaign, the outreach to Latino and Hispanic communities, uh, to Muslim communities here in Nevada in particular, we had an extraordinary um, uh, engagement with the Muslim, the broader Muslim communities and, and two leaders of which are, are on our slate, Dr. Zafar Iqbal, our second vice chair, and uh, Ahmed Ade, our, our newly elected secretary. Um, and there are folks that have been rebuffed by the, the Democratic establishment that want to help do that work, that have been rebuffed here in Nevada specifically that want to do that work. And that have uh, have a, a strong track record of success. So we're looking forward to the opportunity to work with folks like that as we strengthen our party here in Nevada, prepare for um, you know victory in 2022. As Judith said on an, on the campaign trail repeatedly, you know she and this slate are not willing to concede a single seat uh, in 2022, no matter what the anxieties might be out there, because we have a different approach that we think is is winning, is a winning approach that um, you know can. When we do things differently, different outcomes happen. I think they're anticipating just doing the same thing, and the same outcome is going to happen, right? We're going to have this midterm bloodbath, but I don't think that's you know a given. Well, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto is up in two years. She seems to have worked against uh, your slate, Judith. Have you have you heard from her since you won? And what impact will will this change to Nevada politics have on on her race? Well, it's really kind of a shame because I actually had some really great conversations with her prior to this race. Um, in fact, my last one with her, she seemed impressed with some of my plans and said she would be great with working with me. Um, and then suddenly all everything sort of seemed to change or go off track. So I'm not really sure about that or why, um, because I thought we had a fairly decent relationship mm -hmm. and I reassured her that we weren't going to primary her and we were planning on going all in and making sure she got reelected. So it seems kind of strange to me that you wouldn't see the value of what we've been able to do and how well we organize and how we're winning these elections by keeping everybody actively engaged. It seems to me like she would see the value of that and want to utilize that. And no, she has not reached out to me, but I have reached out to her 
and gotten no response. I I feel like it's appropriate for me to try to reach out to everybody. Mm-hmm. I don't usually wait for people to reach out to me first. I I don't you know it, it's just it's just always good to have good relationships and and I don't believe in burning bridges or or being you know in in any way toxic or hateful or anything else. Even though I've had it directed at me for numerous years, but that's just that doesn't accomplish anything. Uh, that's not what we're trying to accomplish here. Uh, we're trying to restore democracy. And I am fully aware that we can't do anything if Republicans are in control or running the show. But I also am worried that if we don't do something, it won't be Democrats anyhow, because of what I'm seeing and hearing on the ground. Uh, So why wouldn't you want to engage with one of the most effective organizing and fundraising machines for progressives um, and bring them to the table also as another tool in your resources to make sure that you win? in 2022. So I am surprised by that. Um, but I, I have reached out to elected officials. I've been, you know, doing the work and trying to set up meetings. And um, so far, only one elected official has actually, um, well, actually two now have reached out to me. So uh, hopefully, maybe some more of them will decide this isn't really the right move. And um, we'll see the value of what we're doing and, and want to be engaged because it's only going to help them. Judith, uh, thanks so much for joining us on Deconstructed. Thank you, Ryan. And Keenan, thanks for being here and congratulations to you both. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. That was Judith Whitmer and Keenan Korth, and that's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. Our supervising producer is Laura Flynn. Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is The Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief of The Intercept. If you'd like to support our work, go to theintercept.com slash give. Your donation, no matter what the amount, makes a real difference. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. And if you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.